At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a walk-off grand slam or a base hit to center field. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Pet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. You know that feeling when you walk into your home, take a deep breath, and feel new? Well, that's what it's like to use Clorox Sentiva. Because Clorox Sentiva smells like coconut, cleans like Clorox, and feels like energy. It'll elevate any cleaning routine to not just clean, but also make every room smell like a tropical coconut getaway. Discover how Clorox Sentiva's powerful clean and refreshing scents can transform your space. Get yours in coconut or other fabulous scents at a nearby retail store. I'm so excited to tell you JCPenney and country music singer-songwriter Walker Hayes are partnering together on a new limited-time men's collection for the everyday guy. What I love about Walker Hayes is his laid back nature. He's a family man and being a country mega star while also having seven kids. You know, he likes to keep his style cool and casual. This new collection is perfect for the guy living the t-shirt life or someone wanting some fresh options that feel just as good. It's easy to wear affordable styles that celebrate the ultimate family man along with the quality, durability, and sensibility dads appreciate. Available online Saturday, May 4th at jcp.com and in-store Thursday, May 16th. Just in time for Father's Day. Limited time only. JCPenney, make it count. Welcome to the Hornets Hivecast, presented by Charlotte Eye, Ear, Nose, and Throat Associates, the official eye, ear, nose, and throat care provider of the Charlotte Hornets. Here's your host, Sam Farber. Welcome to another edition of the Hornets Hivecast, your Hornets podcast with all the notes, quotes, and daily buzz around your favorite NBA team. I'm Sam Farber, and it is a pleasure and a privilege to have you with us here once again on the Hornets Hivecast, a very special edition. It is our official regular season preview edition of the HHC. Alongside me, Sam Farber, we've got my producer on the Hornets Radio Network, as well as the producer of this fine podcast, Rob Longo, and the senior writer for Hornets.com, Sam Purley. We're going to dissect the depth chart, give you our perception on where things might end up at season's end, also give you our lessons learned from the preseason, and I know the moment you've all been waiting for, give our win total projections for the 2022-2023 Hornets season. With all that, gentlemen, welcome to the season preview, and welcome to officially the start of Daily Podcast. We are not going to take a day off until the All-Star break. It has arrived. I can see the excitement on both of you. Thrilled, let me tell you. I'm ready to go. Uh, Happy opening week to both of you guys. This is fun. It's finally here. It feels crazy, but it's going to be a fun week. I'm ready to kind of get back into the flow of doing daily stuff. Lots of late nights, so let's get to it. It is a very exciting time. I noticed Rob did not say he was excited about the late nights. Can you blame me? Nah, not really. But, uh, you know, we we appreciate all you fans who tune in to the HHC all throughout the offseason, all the interviews we try and bring you, all the breaking news we try and report, but we do just generally take some time off but here it is regular season is just around the corner we will have daily podcasts including tomorrow a one-on-one interview with Hornets head coach Steve Clifford but right now we're going to start off with preseason lessons learned yes we're going to save that win total projection 
and prediction till the very end of the podcast. We're going to make you wait a little bit. But preseason lessons learned. Let's start with Sam Purley here. What is your overarching thing you learned about this year's Hornets team that maybe you didn't know or were curious about heading into preseason? I think going back a few weeks, and I wrote an article about this for the website, kind of the main focuses or goals for Steve Clifford and the team to be this year and it's top 10 in defensive rebounding top 10 in transition defense and then top 10 in second chance scoring um I think the transition defense I think it's way too small of a sample size to kind of look and I'm not sure if they've even calculated it necessarily but defensive rebounding has stuck out to me with this team so far in the preseason if you look at the rest of the league and again I know it's a small sample size I know it's only five games only four different opponents the Hornets finished or at least through Thursday night, were 11th in the NBA in defensive rebounding percentage this preseason. So at almost 78%, this was a category they were 29th in last season too. So re- again, I know it's a small sample size, but you can start to see the little bits of foundation. That's just stuff that you know they're going to have to do better this year. They have to rebound the ball better. Offensive rebounding has been really good. The second chance scoring has been really good. Again, granted, the offense hasn't been super great, so there's lots of missed shots. It leads to more uh, opportunities for offensive rebounding. But you can really see the emphasis on the glass. Um, and the other thing, too, is I think the uh, turnovers have also been really well. I think they're eighth um, eighth best turnover percentage right now. They finished the regular season last year in ninth. Um, so, you know, that was kind of a, with the pace they were playing to consider that they're doing a good job still being top 10. I think it's been pretty good. So you start to see the little seeds of what they're kind of focusing on. And now it's like, okay, let's just keep building, keep building, keep building. Definitely saw some good building blocks. I agree with you. The shooting left a lot to be desired over the preseason, but based off recent history, I don't think it's something to be concerned about. I think you accentuate the positive, and if that's the negative, you kind of eliminate that knowing how good of a shooting team this is. Rob Longo, your lessons learned from the preseason. I think the biggest thing for me is kind of just trusting what we've been hearing from head coach Steve Clifford, uh, you know, one of the things that stood out early in camp was saying that Nick Richards was second on the depth chart at the center position, and that turned out to probably be true based on what we saw in the preseason with Nick. He did a really good job. He's really taken a big leap forward. So I think the biggest lesson for me learned with all that said is just understanding that there's a lot of young pieces on this team. And there's a couple of them that took some really big steps this offseason, Nick Richards included. So who else is there involved? That's going to be the bigger question, but that's something that we learned moving forward is that the pieces are there, the talent is certainly there. How do they expand on it? Kind of similar to my takeaway from the preseason. I think we went into it thinking this is a very young back end of the bench, very talented group of players. But the question was, can they generate offense on their own? Can they really push some of those leading players on the team for playing time? And I think generally speaking, uh, we got an answer that it's still going to take some more time for those individual players playing as a unit to really take that next step. But the lesson that I took away from the preseason was players like JT Thor, like James Booknight, like Nick Richards, like Mark Williams, quite frankly, are ready to play within the rotation with those major guys. When we saw Mark Williams with LaMelo Ball, brief as it was, it looked pretty good together. There's certainly mistakes that Mark made that he's going to have to improve on, as any rookie would, but things didn't immediately fall apart just because he was on the floor. It actually still was able to continue with normal offense. Similarly, James Booknight, really rough shooting preseason the first four games last one had a really good effort particularly that fourth quarter but when he was on the floor with the main guys 
again, things didn't fall apart. The offense still ran pretty efficiently, and I think you count on his shooting to improve as he continues to gain confidence. And, and similar stories here for JT Thor and for Nick Richards. So I think your concern when you're putting young guys in is not that they won't flourish, but that the team will have to take a step back to allow them to keep up. And I didn't see that out there. When they were mixed in to the starters, to the primary rotation players, particularly those last two or three games, things did flow pretty well, which gives me a lot of confidence that A, they can fit in when and where Coach Steve Clifford wants to put them in, and B, if there are injuries, like the Hornets could be facing to start the season with LaMelo Ball, we don't have an updated timetable right now, and we're not going to chase our tails with that here on this podcast, but let's just say for the sake of argument, he misses some time, you can put in James Booknight, you can try some different lineups, and trust that the offense is still going to work. Yeah, that's a really good point, and I definitely agree with you. And I would include like just about everybody, like you mentioned in the preseason. If there's a, I think when you look at some of these lineups that they were rolling out in the fourth quarter, which are pretty normal for preseason in teams, I think you kind of get what you want out of the first three quarters. And you know, very rarely are you going to have a situation where you're playing high leverage minutes with guys that are rookies or second year guys that don't have a ton of NBA experience too so I wouldn't necessarily look at the fourth quarter of some of these preseason games particularly the last two and say oh this guy is not doing well right now a lot of it is contingent on who you're around and it's getting accustomed to different playing groups and there's good like you said there's going to be situations where there's injuries and absences and you've and if you've got to plug somebody in and and you know, just tell them, hey, just go in there, set some screens, rebound, push the pace. You don't have to, you know, go crazy. I think Steve Clifford, one of the things he's really, really well known for is getting guys to play to their strengths. You don't have, you know, make sure they play to their role, do what you do best, go out there and excel at that. And that's all we need you to do. You know, we'll take a step forward. Just do as you do. Don't overextend and things like that, too. So you really definitely got a good vibe of, you know, if guys are out or guys can't play or a guy has to leave a game early that, there's a lot of versatility on this roster that you can plug guys in at different positions, create mismatches, go big, go small too. So I really like sort of the potential combinations of lineups that Steve Clifford's going to have heading into the start of the regular season. We've got our lessons learned. Now it's time to see them put into practice. Wednesday is the season opener. Hornets will be visiting the San Antonio Spurs. Friday, the home opener against the New Orleans Pelicans. For ticket information, go to Hornets.com. Coming up next, we're going to take a look at the Hornets depth chart both to start the season and who might be in the rotation come season's end. We'll talk about that next here on the Hornets Hivecast. I could have gotten my hearing aids anywhere, but going to a doctor who could find a set that fit my lifestyle was a good idea. Music sounds as clear now as when I listen to it on cassette tapes. Charlotte Eye, Ear, Nose, and Throat Associates offers a wide variety of hearing aids. With affordable pricing and credit options, our patients can find hearing care that is right for them. Hear like you once did. Call 704-295-3000 to schedule an appointment. Charlotte Eye, Ear, Nose, and Throat Associates, they just make sense. Sam Farber, Rob Longo, Sam Purley here with you on our season preview edition of the HHC. Coming up in our final segment, we will give our win total predictions for the 2022-2023 season. I'll say this, a lot of the experts, so-called experts out there in the desert, little sour on the Hornets this year. That said, the Hornets have gone beyond the win total projection each of the last two years, I think even further back as well. Uh, So this is a team that doesn't seem that bothered by what other people think of them. Uh, They've got their own goals in mind, sites that they are setting for this season. But who are the players that are primarily going to be out there in the rotation? That's our topic here this segment, gentlemen. For this segment, we're going to assume everyone is healthy. 
We know that's not the case at this specific moment in time as we're recording this podcast. We know that it's unlikely to be the case, as is the nature of the NBA, at any point in the season. I mean, there's always injuries going on. I think if we had to really boil it down, the number of games everybody was healthy last season for the Hornets, it would be a surprisingly smaller amount than you would think. So for the sake of this argument, the depth chart has everyone who is currently on the roster available to you. I'm assuming we're all going to end up relatively around the same spot. So we'll have Rob Longo go through his top eight, and then, assuming we all agree, we'll just all float in our player who could make the rotation by season's end. So top eight or nine, your choice, Rob Longo. Well, I'm assuming we're all going to have the starting five penciled in there, right? We would have I don't know. I I don't know where you're going. Well, LaMelo, Terry... Gordon, PJ, Mason, probably. That I sounds would say right that's to me. Our, that's our top five. You agree with that, Sam? I would agree with that. Okay. Yep. So no we got surprises that out of the way. LaMelo Ball, one of one, not from here. Terry Rozier from the University of Louisville, Youngstown, Ohio. Gordon Hayward, Butler University. PJ Washington, University of Kentucky. Mason Plumley, Warsaw, Indiana, Duke University. So there's your starting five that we will more than likely have when, again, everybody is healthy. In terms of other people in the rotation, Cody Martin's probably going to be your sixth man again. You re-signed him for that exact reason. Kelly Oubre is going to be another big factor in there. And then probably Nick Richards, based off what we've seen so far in the preseason through those five preseason games. If you have to throw one more in there, I mean, this team is deep when you look at it. I'm not saying that they're all elite second rotation guys, but... When it boils down to it, there's a lot of depth because James Booknight, Jalen McDaniels, JT Thor, they're all going to be fighting for some rotation minutes as well. So I know that's more than eight or nine or whatever we pegged it as, but those are all very viable options, again, as long as everybody stays healthy. Yeah, I think that ninth spot is the one where there's going to be some fluctuation. I think the two you named in particular, Booknight and McDaniels, are probably the closest. I do like what JT Thor did in the preseason but in terms of his length, he brings a lot of the same things Jalen McDaniels has. So, you know, it might be between those two if you're looking for something a little different in terms of position playing ability and in terms of overall speed and athleticism. James Booknight is that different guy. So I would agree with you. I think six, seven, eight, Cody Martin, Kelly Oubre are locks in there. The eighth spot, it depends on if you want to play a second center. I think the Hornets do, so I, I would lean towards Nick Richards as well. And then it's between McDaniels and Booknight probably for who gets those other minutes. And many times I think it will depend on situation in terms of injuries. Right now I think it would lean towards James Booknight or a Dennis Smith Jr. getting in there over maybe a, a JT Thor or Jalen McDaniels. There's going to be other games where the Hornets want to play bigger and it will slide the other direction. But if we're just talking... Certainly top seven, starting five, Martin Oubre, those seem like locks to me. Yeah, I think I'm kind of right on the same page with you. The name that kind of stuck out to me a little bit more was Dennis Smith, kind of in that nine spot a little bit. I think, you know, having that that second unit ball handler, I know last year LaMelo was kind of the primary one. They would stagger Terry into the second unit sometimes. And I think there were some situations where that necessarily wasn't super sustainable, I think just over the course of the season. So again, I know we're at the very start of it, but I really like what I've seen from Dennis Smith so far, particularly in the Washington game the other day, making a lot of plays. I mean, blocking guys at the rim, you know, generating steals. I mean, his defense is really, really 
really impressive. And, and, and kudos to him because he came into the league kind of projected to be one thing. And then over the years, you know, he's gone to a couple different teams and he's had to take on a different role and a different skill set. And it seems like this is kind of what he's become this sort of on ball, high intensity, strong defender. You know, I've been impressed too with his offensive game too. He gets to the rim, he's got a nice little mid range shot, floater too. So I think I'm right there with you guys. Martin, Ubre, Richards, kind of in that six, seven, eight, and then kind of contingent on matchups. Again, I know we talked about availability. We're assuming everyone's healthy. I think it's kind of between Jalen, Dennis, and James right there. And we should also preface this too that just because they're not in the opening night rotation does not mean they are not going to play at any point this season. It does not mean their careers, you know, hanging by a thread. Everybody's going to get an opportunity at some point this season. Guys are going to get out. Guys are going to get hurt. It's all about being ready for that opportunity. But it is a numbers game. You can only play probably nine to ten guys every night, assuming everybody in that you know pecking order stays healthy too. So that's what makes the process fun, but it also makes it competitive. Guys are competitive. They want to play and they want to get minutes. Excellent point. Brings me back to what I said for my preseason lessons learned. The, the young guys are in a much better position to step in and keep the offense and defense, for that matter, going at the same pace and with the same efficiency as if there were more veteran players out there. So that's a good sign for all of them. And as you mentioned, injuries are going to pop up and those opportunities are going to arise. Now, all that said, last season, a guy like Cody Martin was not necessarily assumed to be in the rotation when the preseason started. He was definitely going to get a look based off what he did in the preseason, but he had to earn it every single day. Who's someone on the roster that we did not name in that, or let's just say the top seven. We'll focus it down even more. Rob rules do apply here. You can't copy each other. Let Sam Perley go first. Someone other than LaMelo, Terry, Gordon Hayward, P.J. Washington, Mason Plumlee, Cody Martin, or Kelly Oubre that you think by season's end will be in the Hornets rotation. I think I'm going to have to go with Mark Williams. I think he he just seems like a guy. You got his feet wet at Summer League a little bit. It's such a different atmosphere and environment out there. You see him in preseason and then just watching these five games. I mean, I think Cliff said it maybe in his introductory press conference that he picks things up quickly. You can see that. He is making some really, really good reads on the defensive end. If he can just get out there and defend right now. I mean, he's seven feet tall. If it's just cleaning stuff up around the rim and putting back and things like that, he doesn't have to be this multi-versatile offensive weapon strategy you know, out to the three-point line. I think that's maybe an idea a couple years down the line that maybe he could kind of be a little bit more of a floor spacer. But I've really liked what I've seen from Mark Williams, particularly in the Washington game the other day. I think I said it on the, the post-game podcast. I mean, he had some really impressive possessions on Porzingis, just kind of going out in space and guarding him. And that's really hard to do. I mean, Porzingis is an elite NBA player, especially with his size and length. And to see Mark capable of again I know it's preseason but to see him just see the flashes of okay he's reading this really well right now like they've got something here with him I'm gonna go with Mark Williams I could see he's gonna pick things up really quickly love that pick he was number one on my depth chart but Rob rules are in effect let's see if I get down to my third choice Rob Longo go for it you might because the person I'm taking a look at is Jalen McDaniels when you take a look back to last season Gordon Hayward was out towards the end of the year of course Jalen McDaniels played some really good ball down the stretch. Last couple games of the season, he played extremely well. Three-point shot was on. He was not taking a ton of threes, but he was taking enough and being effective enough to keep himself in that lineup. So, again, with what we've heard from Coach Clifford, what we've heard from Gordon, he's not going to play all 82 games this year or even attempt to try to play all 82. So that's going to shorten the depth chart a little bit at the three spot. That's a perfect position for Jalen McDaniels to come in and make an impact once again. And we saw it last year. Like I said, Gordon goes down. Jalen stays ready. He's able to come in and make an impact. I think the same thing's going to happen again this year. 
My pick for this is going to be James Booknight. There was a portion of last season, I think it was when LaMelo was out for a couple games, about 20, 25 games into the season, where Book got in and he had a really good run. He had three out of the four games in that stretch that I'm thinking about here. He scored in double figures. He was playing 10, 20, 25 minutes per game, and the shot looked good. Three-point shot looked good. Everything seemed to be flowing for him. Then LaMelo came back, and you can understand why that minutes would come down, but they almost disappeared entirely. And if there was one thing I think the Hornets could go back and, and redo a little bit more based off what we've heard from Mitch Kupchak in the front office, I think it would be to get James Booknight more time. I'm not sure that Book is going to be in the rotation opening night, but I think if he gets in and he establishes that he can score at that kind of level, they're not going to take him out necessarily as quickly again. And I I think he will have a longer opportunity to show what he can do with a greater sample size. And with his kind of talent, he, he was drafted in the lottery for a reason. He was an extremely productive player at UConn, and he has shown an ability to be productive here at the NBA level. Heck, just the fourth quarter the other day against Philadelphia, he scored 11 points. I know that wasn't the starters he was going against, but that's clearly not easy to do. So I think Book is someone who, is he in the rotation opening night? I don't know. But if he has an opportunity to get there, I think he is ready to take that next step forward and he'll stay in it. Yeah, I definitely agree. And I think there was a game, maybe it was last week or a practice or something like that, where someone asked Steve Clifford about James Booknight. And the endorsement he gave of James was really, really telling. He says he has starter, I think he said starter level talent in this league. But a lot of it, he's kind of just, he just didn't play very much last year at the NBA. He didn't really play much this summer because he was hurt. And, you know, there is, I think, a little bit of catching up to do. But you can definitely see the talent. He just needs to kind of get through this getting back into form, getting back in the rhythm. I mean, that's a long time not playing sustainable NBA minutes. A lot of the minutes he was playing last year were, you know, in situations maybe where the outcome was already decided and things like that and we're down in the G League too. So, you see the talent there. I think he, like you said, he's going to have a re- he's going to have an opportunity at some point this year. I think working on the ball handling, can he come in as a 1? Can he come in as a 2? You know, if he can kind of get some more going in terms of how he can impact the game, whether it's different positions, if he's not getting as many shots. I think the rebounding looked a little bit better. I think the defensive stuff looked a little bit better this preseason. You start to see he's becoming a little bit more well-rounded. It's just going to be, it's going to take a little bit of time just because he just didn't play a whole lot last year because, and that's more of a testament, not necessarily to him not living up to expectations last year. Cody Martin just played so well. Kelly Oubre played so well. And those guys, I think, appeared in over 70 games apiece. There just wasn't a whole lot of minutes available. And that's not anybody's fault. It's just kind of the way it works out sometimes. One thing that I think it's safe to say, the Hornets are easily, easily 12, 13, maybe 14 players deep in terms of guys that can get out there on the floor and have an impact on the game. That's a great position to be in as this roster continues to mature. All right, next segment. The moment you've all been waiting for. Our win total predictions for the 2022-2023 season. We'll have that for you next here on the Hornets Hivecast. As proud members of our community, the Charlotte Hornets Foundation is committed to inspire a giving culture in our region. This is Executive Director Betsy McRinke inviting you to learn how you can make an impact. Through our Swarm to Serve initiative, the Charlotte Hornets Foundation focuses on education, hunger, military care, and wellness programs. To learn more about how you can help the Charlotte Hornets Foundation and your fellow neighbor, please visit hornets.com foundation today. 
Sam Farber, Rob Longo, Sam Purley here with you on the Hornets Hivecast, brought to you by Senta, Charlotte Eye, Ear, Nose, and Throat Associates, the official Eye, Ear, Nose, and Throat Care provider of the Charlotte Hornets. It is time for our 2022-2023 season projections, predictions from this expert panel here. We're going to start off with what the experts elsewhere have said the Hornets' win total will be. The net from Las Vegas seems to have Charlotte somewhere in the 35-36 to win range. Keep in mind, Hornets were picked to be roughly in that space last season, ended up with 43 wins. They exceeded projections the year before as well. Lamella Ball's rookie season ended up 33-39, and really tailing off at the end with a Gordon Hayward injury. And this is a team that's gotten 10 extra wins each of the last two seasons. We'd love to see them get to 53 again, but the experts out in the desert, they say 35-36 is their guess for this upcoming season. Before we get to your official season-long record I want to know the best month and the toughest month for the Hornets this season. Let's start off with the positive best month you think the Hornets will have. Rob Longo, you go first. I think the best month that the Hornets will have, and this is interesting, is January. I know we kind of talked about January in our schedule release about that being kind of the toughest month because they're on the road a lot, but... When I look at this January schedule, there's a lot of wins out there. I mean, there's not that many back-to-backs. You're on the road a lot, but they're against teams like Toronto where you play them in two consecutive games, and it's really tough to beat a team twice in a row, whether that's one way or the other. So you kind of factor that in as a split. The Hornets have to go out west a little bit towards the end of the season where they got to go to Utah and Phoenix, but you know we don't know what Utah is, and then they got Phoenix on the second night of a back-to-back, so that's a little bit troublesome. But then you got other teams in there like Indiana, Milwaukee's in there, which the Hornets seem to play pretty good against the Bucks. I mean, the last couple of seasons we've seen them go into Milwaukee, pick up a win here or there. Always seems like the Charlotte kind of plays up to their competition a little bit, for lack of a better term. Miami's in there, Atlanta's in there, some teams that you're really familiar with. So I think January ends up being the best month at 10-5. and five. I don't think it's the hardest month, but I do think it's harder than that. That that one was not top of my list, but I like the optimism. Sam Purley, your prediction on the best month for the Hornets. I'm going to go with March. Just the way this team has been kind of put together the last few years, it always seems like they they get better as the season goes on and they kind of hit that stride. And it always seems to have a lot of home games in March. And then looking at this March, I think of the 15 games, nine of them are at home. And then the other six on the road, Brooklyn is obviously going to be really good, but you got the Knicks on the road, you got Detroit, you got Oklahoma City, you got New Orleans and Dallas that's on a back to back. So, you know, those are obviously really good teams, but it's a manageable road schedule. And then at home, Phoenix, Orlando, Utah, Cleveland twice in a row, Philly, Indiana, Dallas, and Chicago. It just always feels like they hit their stride in March and they kind of make that push. And you start to see you kind of have come out of the All Star break, you've refound your rhythm. So, of those 15 games, I will go with record wise, how about. 10 and 5 for March. I'm going to go 10 and 5. That was going to be my pick as well, was March. Even though there are 15 games in 31 days, there's actually three different occasions where the Hornets will get multiple days of rest leading into a game, and at least one of those is against a pretty good opponent in Philadelphia that maybe makes that a more winnable game than it otherwise might have been if you were playing them, both teams, on equal rest. So I, I, I like the March schedule best. I like how many home games there are. I like the rhythm of it. Only Two cases of back-to-backs. One is at home. One's a road one. I think March is a good month. 
Rob rules aren't in effect for this one, but just to throw a couple out there, they're shorter months, but October, I think, is pretty favorable to the Hornets when you look at the caliber of competition, the space within the schedule. I think that one is going to be a promising half month for the Hornets, and I think April shapes up pretty well for them as well with three of those four games at home and uh, taking some momentum hopefully out of March. They'll be able to really go with the wind in their sails and make that push to the playoffs. How about hardest month on the schedule? Sam Perley, you lead this one off. I'm kind of the, this is like the opposite of the Rob rules and like two different questions and we have the same answer. I'm going to go with January. I think January is going to be the, the the toughest month. It's It always feels like you know you're that's the you know third or fourth month of the season if you count October. It's always kind of the dog days I mean you're kind of see the all-star break on the horizon but it's not quite there and it just feels like even you know have a lot of road games even their home games they got Lakers they got Memphis they got Boston twice at home Chicago Miami I mean every single one of those teams is kind of projected if all goes right to be a top six seed so and then you've got and you know as Rob kind of said you're at Milwaukee you're at Atlanta at Toronto twice in a row um, at Phoenix on the second night of a back-to-back at Milwaukee again to close out the month so not saying things are going to drop off a cliff in January I think they're going to pick up several you know a handful of wins and they're probably going to have to if, against some really good teams but I just look at January and it's just there's a lot of good good teams coming up and I think it's going to make them better but that's going to be my toughest month of the season for the Hornets and to me I think that's the second toughest month I'm going to take December I, I think that one is far and away the toughest month on the calendar for the Hornets uh, it, part of it is the Western Conference road trip where they're going to play six teams and be on the road for roughly 10 days that's always a difficult thing to do but even the order of those games within that road trip seems to make it harder. Sacramento has, for the last decade plus, been the easiest team of that grouping on that road trip. Denver, Clippers, Lakers, Portland, Golden State. But you're going to face them on night two of a back-to-back coming from Denver. Amongst those teams, that's probably the hardest trip you could make within that grouping to get to Sacramento and then have to do it on night two of a back-to-back. I think it makes it all the more difficult. There are a good amount of home games out there. I just think it's tough. I think it's a really tough schedule for the Hornets. That's going to be the survival portion of the season. If the Hornets are at or above 500 at the end of December, I think we're doing backflips. And it's not because I don't think the Hornets are going to do well come season's end. I'll give you my end-of-season win total projection. But I just think December is so tough, and I'm guessing that Rob's going to go with November, which isn't easy either. I think when you pile all those difficult games on top of each other, the Hornets are going to really have to battle to stay above 500. If they can do it, they are in great shape to close out the season strong. But even if they're a little under 500, I won't be concerned at that point. Yeah, well, I had December pegged as my toughest month, too, so that's why I let you go first. But I will say November is my toughest month simply for the fact that, yeah, December has a lot of travel and a lot of back-to-backs involved, but so does November. But November's a little bit weird just because when those back-to-backs occur, they're home and then there's travel involved on the back end of them. So I thought that was a little interesting, or whether it's starting on the road and then coming home. So those are just really weird instances, I think, when you have split double, when you have split back to backs. There's not a lot of off days. There's not a lot of rest in there involved as well. So that's why November is kind of my toughest month, even though I still have them going relatively good in that month. And again, we'll get to win totals in a minute. But Again, I just something about November just does not sit right with me. I don't know if it's the quality of teams that they're playing. I don't know if it's the travel involved because you got teams like Memphis and Brooklyn, and you got to go to Memphis and then you got to come home and play Brooklyn on the second night of a back to back. That's difficult. Then you have Portland at home. Then you got to go to Miami on the second night of a back to back. Then you have an off day, and then you got to play in Miami again. Some weird travel involved in November, and that's why it just does not sit well with me. 
All right, guys, now time for the moment everyone's been waiting for, the win total predictions, projections for the 2022-2023 season. I'll say this group was a lot better than the experts in Vegas were last year. Last year, I predicted exactly 43 wins. They had 43 wins. Rob Longo was close. He had 45, is that correct? I had 45, and if there weren't a couple instances where we get all riled up on a podcast after, I would have been right, but I'll leave it at that. And Sam Perley was a bit... More I think I used nebulous the, than the rest of us. Yeah, but. I kind of hit it. I, say, I think I said at least 43. So I hit the 43, but I should have been more like 43. They're going to get to 43 exactly, but I kind of left it open-ended. So yeah, I don't Sam's, know if that, was, Sam's was ambiguous. It doesn't count. Yeah, what, Whatever it was, we were all a lot closer than other predictors were out there on the Hornets. So let's get our predictions for the 2022-2023 season. Rob Longo, you go first. I don't know if this is an honor or if there's a lot of pressure on me to set the tone. But I, again, last year I had the Hornets at 45 and 37. They ended up going 43 and 39. So hopefully, you know, they exceed my expectations this year. I have Charlotte going 42 and 40 this year. Again, this schedule is just, it's kind of a beast in some places. We talked about November, we talked about December. Just not good matchups all around. I have Charlotte starting to turn things around in January. I have I have the Hornets going ten and five in January. I think they're going to really turn it up in the new year. I got Charlotte at thirty one and twenty nine by the All Star break, and then I have them finishing at forty two and forty for the season. So you have them kind of just above five hundred, pretty consistently yes. once the calendar turns to twenty twenty three, and then just kind of. Riding the highs and lows, but staying somewhere close to, but slightly above 500 through the end of the season. Sam Purley, your 2022-2023 win total prediction. Before I give you my number, this is why I'm leaning it. I think they're going to get better injury luck this season. I think a lot of guys on the roster are going to take a big step forward. I think a lot of younger guys are going to play really well. I think there's going to be a lot of opportunity there. I think if they can get that defense up into a top, at least upper half of the league, and you've seen, you know, with Cliff's teams in the past, you know, defense, rebounding, that's kind of the calling card. I really, truly, firmly believe they can get to that point. I'm going to go ambiguous again. I'm going to say north of 40 wins. I think they can get over 40. That's higher than the projections. If you want to say 40, you want to say 50, 60, 70, whatever it is, I think they're at least 40. I think they'll get in that you know, conversation to be in the playoffs by the end of the season. A lot has to go right, though. They got to make those strides. You got to. You need some luck. You need fifty-fifty games to go your way. You got to win games in overtime. That was a big problem last year. They didn't win any overtime games, and you got to get healthy. So, I think if everything goes their way, I'm feeling like it's going to. I'll say north of forty. Sam Perley has given himself room for the team to finish just below 500 or set the NBA wins record. One one or the other may happen, according. Exactly. Yep. Just leave myself a big just gap there. To to something. Yep. Just commit to something, Sam. You know what? That's fair, because after last year, I, I didn't commit to it, and I sort of... And now it. you regret it, because you're the only one who was... Yeah. Can I use Rob's number? Sure. I'll say 42. I like 42. I think over 500, I think is certainly possible. So I'm piggybacking off yours here with 42 wins. Your pressure does wonders, by the way. They, I think it's more than fair to point out that injuries are obviously going to have an impact on different seasons. I think Brooklyn would have had a much better year probably last year had Kyrie Irving been able to play the whole year, had Kevin Durant not gotten hurt. Lakers would have had an entirely different season had Anthony Davis and LeBron James both played closer to 70 games. But it is what it is. You can't predict injuries. We're not going to hold anyone here accountable for that. But if things are going right, here's how I see the Hornets 2022-2023 season going. I think October is going to start strong. I think this, the schedule sets up very well for them. Somewhere towards the end of 2022, maybe it's that Western Conference road trip, maybe it's a little earlier, but things are going to get very difficult for Charlotte, and they're going to fall down 
near or below 500. January is going to be a difficult month, in my opinion, to get their head back above water there. But I think they're going to at least tread water at that stage. And then somewhere around the All-Star break, they should get back to 500. And once they clear the All-Star break, the schedule is a lot more favorable. More rest, more home games, momentum at their backs. I think the Hornets are going to ride into the playoffs with a record of 44 and 38. That's my prediction for the 22-23 season. Almost 8 to 10 games higher than most of the experts out in Las Vegas and the highest on this panel, but that's where I see the Hornets ending the season. Of course, we're all committing to injuries could have an influence on this. We hope they don't, but that has certainly impacted the Hornets the last two seasons, although not enough to take them under the Vegas experts' win total prediction. So I think Coach Clifford's going to have a huge impact on this team. I think LaMelo Ball, once he gets healthy, is going to have a huge step forward, hopefully kind of like John Morant, where he surges not just from being an all-star, but into all-NBA conversations. But regardless, this team is deep. This team is focused. This team is hungry to make the playoffs. I think they're going to do it with a record of 44-38. and 38. I like it. Yeah, I think that's good. That's bold. But at the same time, we talk about injuries for the Hornets. you got other teams that get injured, too. So maybe that's something that favors Charlotte's way a little bit. Obviously, you want to see everybody healthy and nobody want to get hurt, but that's just the reality of the NBA. So that's something that we can kind of sway into maybe the Hornets' favor as well. We shall see how it all turns out. First game of the season is going to be on Wednesday. Hornets will visit the San Antonio Spurs. Of course, that day we will have our game preview. But we have officially started daily podcasts. And tomorrow, a very special guest, Hornets head coach Steve Clifford, will join us here on the Hornets Hivecast. Till then, with many thanks to Sam Purley of Hornets.com and Rob Longo, our producer on the Hornets radio network and of this fine podcast. I'm Sam Farber saying it's been a pleasure and a privilege having you with us. We will talk to you tomorrow with head coach Steve Clifford right here on the Hornets Hivecast. Thank you for listening to the Hornets Hivecast, brought to you by Senta, the official eye, ear, nose, and throat care provider of the Charlotte Hornets. For more coverage, visit Hornets.com.